0: Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling.
1: And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would be wrestling fans who don't know where to start.
0: And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time.
1: This week, we try to solve the mystery. <laughs> yes. Of the episode of NXT that originally aired on July seventeenth, twenty fourteen, and it turns out the perpetrator behind this delightful piece of television wasn't a ghost or a werewolf after all. Oh, what! But a bunch of weird, awkward theater kids. <laughs> and we love them so much.
0: This is the theateriest episode. <laughs> The community theater has turned up to 12 on this. It really is.
1: Welcome to episode 61 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Tyson Kidd won a match by taking advantage of Sami Zayn's overdeveloped sense of chivalry. Mm. This episode, Sami Zayn wins a match by taking advantage of Tyson Kidd not being as good of a wrestler as he is. (laughs) There are... A lot of mysteries to explore in this one beyond just that awesome main event. There's lots of great stuff here. We will do all of it in Bob's breakdown. After which, we will investigate the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. <sighs> we will also be handing out the Beau Rince Olivier Award for unbelievable commitment to the bit. And uh, with no wrestling term of the week on this episode, as we await Bob's women's wrestling history fanfic. Oh, boy. That will lead us straight into the Cheap Pop Quiz. But first, it's time to get the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Bob currently rolling with one point already on this fifth round of quizzing? Sixth? Who knows?
0: Look, numbers are difficult. It's impossible (laughs) to know.
1: Whatever round of quizzing we're on now, Bob has one point. Let's see if they collected any more Question number one What former United States president and what television host does Byron Saxton compare C.J. Parker to oh, in Jesus, fuck. the okay. same sentence in the next episode Is it A. Barack Obama and David Letterman B. Jimmy Carter and Johnny Carson C. Thomas Jefferson and Jimmy Kimmel D. Abraham Lincoln and Ellen DeGeneres or E. Ronald Reagan and Oprah. Bob? God damn. Do you remember which one you picked? I don't,
0: but (laughs) what a... Yeah, go for it.
1: (laughs) You went with D. Abraham Lincoln and Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The correct answer was E. Ronald Reagan and Oprah.
0: The correct answer should have been none of them. That's what should have happened. But Byron Saxton is a man of whims and he follows them.
1: Indeed. He really has very little impulse control. Question number two. Finish this sentence from Alexa Bliss's pre-match promo prior to her match with Sasha Banks on the next episode. Quote, Sasha, the last time we were in the ring, you felt a... The sting from my bling. B. The clash of my flash. C. The razzle of my dazzle. D. The spunk of my sparkle. Or E. The grit of my glitter. I was proud of those. Just gonna say. They are.
0: They're very amazing.
1: Bob, you went with E. The grit of my glitter, which was also my favorite. Yes, correct. Unfortunately, it was incorrect. The correct answer was A. The sting from my bling. Oh. I think The Clash of My Flash is worse than that one, but it's, like, the only one.
0: It's a lateral move, I feel (laughs) like. It's not necessarily worse. It's just like, oh, this is also bad in a different way.
1: Sure. And question number three. On the next episode, Jason Jordan is back to being a singles wrestler for one week as he takes on Adam Rose. Uh. According to his pre-match promo... Why does Jason Jordan want this match? A. He doesn't. He's actually noticeably indifferent because he wants to be a tag team wrestler. B. He wants to prove to the world that he's more than just a tag team wrestler, even though he's only been a tag team wrestler like three times, maybe. C. He disagrees with Adam Rose's lifestyle and thinks people should basically just work out all the time and eat nothing but protein shakes. D. Ty Dillinger bet him $10 that he couldn't beat Adam Rose. (laughs) Or E, Ty Dillinger has been mysteriously injured, and he was last seen partying with the Rosebuds, so Jordan is wrestling Adam Rose as part of his investigation into who attacked his partner. (gasps) Bob, I'm guessing you thought you were going to be wrong about this one when you selected E.
0: Oh, I definitely thought I was going to be wrong. (laughs) I have never been so happy to be right.
1: I don't know that I could have come up with that answer myself. The correct answer was E. We will get to it.
0: Boy, (laughs) we're going to spend a lot of time there.
1: (sighs) All right. So one point again, Bob, up to two. Doing good. You only need 10 for this quiz because we're not doing a guest on the next bonus episode so you're already a fifth of the way there doing pretty well Megan Bob and uh with that in mind I think it's time to get into Bob's breakdown or as I'm gonna choose to put it on this episode for very questionable reasons ayo Bob <gasps> preach yeah
0: <laughs> uh, Our commentary team for this week is William Regal, Byron Saxton, and Tom Phillips. Match one is here, and it brings a height of seven feet that can't be taught. (laughs) Tag team action. Big Cass is going to fight somebody. Enzo Amore is probably going to annoy someone. So Enzo is wearing drop crotch leopard print harem pants. Yep. Which is... The most I've ever liked him, aside from when he was pretending an office chair with a Game Boy taped to it was a wheelchair. <laughs> that was also very, very good.
1: At one point, as they are coming down to the ring, Regal says something like, I love him so much and I also want to punch him in the face, which is just... That,
0: it's so accurate. It's
1: the Enzo experience in a nutshell.
0: It really is. Okay, well, guess what, Vades and gentle them? These dum-dums are going to fight the Vogue villains. Fuck yeah. And when things get underway, the crowd is legit excited when Aiden English does some technical wrestling. Like, they're super into it. And he does it with this P.T. Barnum level of showmanship, so the crowd is hot for it. And then, obs when Cass is tagged in, things get rough for Aiden English because he lacks the additional foot and height. And he makes it to Simon Gotch for the tag. And again, he is laid low by the inimitable tallness of Big Cass. And then, the plaintive strains of La Marseillaise. (laughs) The Legionnaires appear on the ramp, which is the distraction Gotch was looking for as he quickly rolls big cast for the pin and grabs the tights. I have to confess that until that moment, I had completely forgotten that the Vaudevillains are the baddies. I was like, what? (laughs) Why is he grabbing the tights? They're the faces, surely. And then I was like, oh yeah, they are called the Vaudevillains.
1: It's right there in the name.
0: And yet my brain is like, no, no. They're definitely the faces. And then we go backstage. Guess who we get to hear from? Our <laughs> precious baby Fang friends. The Ascension. <laughs> Honestly, it matters, not one single fuck what they have said. It's all <laughs> these other tag teams are shit, blah, blah, blah. The important part is that Connor says, hey, yo, Vic, does a peck shimmy while leaning back in this slightly erotic way. It's like a full shoulder shimmy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then says, preach. I think I screamed (laughs) when it happened. It was like somebody had read my fanfic. Also, do want to give you an update on the Ascension because they were released from the network. For those who don't know, they are still together and wrestling on the indies right now. So the love is real, guys. They are together. Absolutely. Okay, now we get an ad for a Fatal 4-Way with champ John Cena, double champion. Is he a double champion in this right now?
1: I think this is, so back in January, the two major world championships at the time, which were the World Heavyweight Championship and the WWE Championship, were unified. And they didn't yet have the new belt yet. So for now, the unified champion is just going around with two titles, but they'll get one belt soon.
0: So he's going to square off against Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, and Kane. I'm just curious. Was this a match people cared about? Because I was like, oh, this could be fun or it could be terrible. I don't know.
1: I'm trying to remember. It was kind of a bummer because this is all happening in the context of Daniel Bryan's first retirement. Oh. So back when we thought he was actually gone for good at the height of his popularity, like immediately after he'd finally climbed the mountain and won the championship at WrestleMania 30. He had like one title defense at Extreme Rules against Kane, and then he had to relinquish the titles because he was he had to retire. Oh, bummer. So we thought at the time that he had to retire permanently. So it was all happening in kind of the shadow of that. The fact that Cena was champion again was kind of, yeah, it was fine. Like it was like Cena's 15th title reign or something. So I don't know. I don't remember entirely, but it was taking place at a show called Battleground, which historically not many people have ever cared about. So I'm going to go with overall no.
0: Okay, thank you. Back from commercial, Tom guides us into a retrospective on the beautiful, fierce females and their falling out. And y'all know what's up. They were frenemies. And now, apart from a weird mercenary relationship between Sasha and Summer, they're regular old enemies. Fair enough. Match two. C.J. Parker and Xavier Woods. C.J. Parker comes out and the crowd is silent. (laughs) It could have been filmed in an empty studio. Xavier Woods comes out and the crowd is a lot more into it, although still not nearly as interested as they should be. It's so hard to watch this match because the crowd is audibly tolerating it. Yeah, I mean, when Woods drop kicks Parker, the audience wakes up slightly. Woods does an awesome spinny head, leg, scissors thing because he is legit good at wrestles and no one lets him wrestle enough. And I am always frustrated about that. Parker comes back, though, just in time for a rest hold. And then a little later, Woods responds with a DDT and Parker kicks out. And I was a little bit surprised because are DDTs a protected move? Like they try to make them impactful. I can't remember.
1: Not always, but they are considered a... Higher tier of, like, regular move. DDTs often tend to be finishers. Okay. A lot of the time, a wrestler's finisher will be some kind of version of the DDT. Like, we saw Sammy's original finisher was that Tornado DDT. Mm -hmm. A lot of wrestlers have used a variation of the DDT on the finisher because it just looks bad. But when just being used in normal context of the match, it is considered a higher tier move that kicking out of is... Kind of impressive, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, that does make sense. After the failed pin attempt, Woods goes to the top and leaps at Parker, who escapes. Woods grabs Parker around the middle, shoves him at the ropes. Parker clings tight as Woods tries to pull him back, probably for a suplex, maybe a butt-to-butt sandwich. Mm. Instead, Woods ends up rolling onto his back and Parker sits down. So they are kind of butt-to-butt sandwiching a little bit, pinning Woods but also CJ Parker is nearly falling over in the process and it looks rough. Like he's holding the ropes as he's doing it, but he's also not holding the ropes enough and he's falling over. Yeah. But Parker got the pin and won the match.
1: Ooh. yeah. So this was, I'm pretty sure going back and watching this a couple of times, I'm pretty sure the person at fault for this finish is actually the referee. Okay. Because what happens is Parker rolls up Woods And has the ropes, which is a heel move, right? You grab the ropes for Mm -hmm. leverage so that the other wrestler can't kick out. The referee doesn't see it. You've won, but you're still being a heel and the other guy doesn't look terrible, right? Yeah. But the referee doesn't start counting early enough. Like he's Mm -hmm. like checking to make sure Woods' shoulders are on the mat or something. Yes, I noticed. And so what happens is that Parker loses his balance because the ref is taking too long, has to let go of the ropes... So, actually, when Parker pins Woods, he's not hanging on to the ropes, and he's got him in that butt-to-butt sandwich for, like, two full minutes or something. It's not that long, but it feels that long. It does. While the ref finally counts to three. So, yeah, it is really weird. Does not make Xavier look good at all. Yeah, no one looks great. It took what was supposed to be a heel finish into a clean finish. So... Yeah. yeah. I also want to call bullshit on
0: this whole thing, because what the fuck is NXT trying to do with Parker? The audience hates this character and they're not getting any heat to work with one way or the other. They're still getting go away heat and it's not mm-hmm. transforming like it did with Bo Dallas. This whole thing feels like a hostage situation. I just don't understand what they're hoping is going to happen. Are they hoping to pull a Bo Dallas?
1: I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. It's weird, too, because Xavier is kind of like Has been appearing on Raw and stuff, so he's only a part-time NXT guy anyway. Yeah. So, like, I think this is meant to be the beginnings of something for Parker, but it's certainly not going great.
0: And I do want to say that I don't watch any of the Japanese wrestling, Mm -hmm. but I know that CJ Parker is legit a big deal over there. Yes, he is. As Juice Robinson and is very very good and popular and people love him
1: yes he's a good wrestler
0: yeah and it's so it's like this is unfortunate on so many levels because this isn't a case of cj parker is bad and is not interesting to watch this is a booking issue not a anything else issue
1: mm-hmm. absolutely i don't know i think the evil hippie thing is really hamstringing him as well hard agree
0: backstage Sami Zayn calls out the real tyson kid who is a jerk and he's mean etc Sami Zayn is here to embarrass this man tonight. All right, match three. Alexa Bliss skips to the ring. We see a promo and hear her say the words The sting from my bling. <laughs> I felt like I was being punched in the face by 2014. I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. I hadn't felt this year in such a long time.
1: Yeah, it's been a while.
0: Bliss says she was underestimated because she's so small and nice. But tonight, <laughs> Sasha is fighting without her buddies ringside. So we'll see if she can pull off the win. This Sasha's ratchet chant appears. And there is a counter chant of no, she's not, which I yep. really appreciated. Good yep. job. It only
1: took months. I know. First appearance of that, I think, but that will actually be the consistent response when people try to get that chant going moving forward. Fuck yeah.
0: Bliss tries to take control early, but the boss is having none of it. She picks up Bliss, shoves her so she's laying across the middle corner ropes climbs up and drops her weight knees first down onto Bliss's middle, collapsing her. Love that move. Like a treacherous folding table. And fuck (laughs) folding tables for the record.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. They will get you at the worst possible times.
0: Oh, yeah. No, folding tables. Don't trust a folding table. I mean, I know WWE says don't trust a ladder, but fucking don't trust folding tables either.
1: I mean, you shouldn't trust tables in WWE either because they are also notoriously treacherous. But I think tables in general are just plotting against us at all times.
0: Yeah, I I don't have a lot of faith in tables. No. It's mean, and I love it. It feels like Sasha's moveset is getting more vicious each time. Yep. As she locks around Bliss's neck, nearly choking her out, and Bliss gets in a drop kick, and then Sasha gets brutal. She (laughs) does a backstab around Bliss, driving her knees into Bliss's lower back before immediately locking in her submission finisher that wrenches Bliss's back even further and brings the neck into the equation.
1: Yeah, she hits the backstabber and rolls over into the bank statement, and it's so good. If
0: you've ever had your back backsies up, and Miles, I hear you've had some recent experience <laughs> with this. I have. The agony of that is hard to overstate. So seeing someone get their back forcibly wrecked and then purposefully strained after it's already probably spasming wildly, it just hurts. And Bliss taps out and Sasha wins. How is your back doing lately, sir?
1: Much better than it was before. Thank you. I will say that if I were to go into the chiropractor's office and the chiropractor, as it turned out, was Sasha Banks, I would be very pleased by this development.
0: Well, because she's the best, but also I would be afraid for your back.
1: But who else would do a better job of like wrenching it? You know what I mean?
0: All right. Summer ray. You better watch your fucking back. Like, literally, Mm. your back will be ruined. So Mm -hmm. definitely watch it. Backstage, Tyler Breeze is being asked by Devin Taylor, when are you challenging Adrian Neville? These things take time. He's still recovering from his hand modeling accident, but his agent is drawing up a contract, so expect it soon. (laughs) If you're suffering Breeze withdrawals, Here's his music video again. <laughs> okay. Did they just not have enough content to fill the episode? Were they trying to make the most of the literal tens of dollars they spent making this thing?
1: Uh, what is happening? I have to imagine it's a combination of those two things.
0: Okay. They were like, well, we spent the time and we have it on film. Let's just put it up there again.
1: Yeah. I mean, they love running video packages over again. True. It's clear they don't have enough material to fill an hour-long show. Oh God. They like to space it out in their way. So, you know, we got a lot of the same promos, the same commercials, and we get the same music video sometimes. It's okay.
0: The music video is long, though. Like, that's long. (laughs) And I don't want to see it again. It's not that it's bad. It's that it's long and boring. That's fair. Which is not the worst thing. But That's fair. All right. Backstage, Natalia is almost paparazzi-style intersected, but she says she doesn't want to talk about it and walks off. And then next... Tyson Kidd is talking to Devin, who asks about his family. <laughs> and Kid goes, Oh, you want to know about my family? I bet you don't ask Sammy about his family. Why are you wasting my time? My wife can take care of herself. I'm going to beat Sammy Zayn. So there. Oh, my God. Choice he'll work. He's like, fuck my family. I can't believe you'd ask about those losers.
1: I can't believe you'd ask about the other wrestler who's on this show who's related to me.
0: God. All right. Something magical happens. Match number four. Tell us about it. Adam Rose is here. I do want to note Tamina is in the Rosebuds with an Elfier's hat on.
1: I think Nia Jax is actually out there too.
0: Oh, okay. And we've also still got Captain Comic, who probably is not Garrett Dillon, but... I think it still is actually.
1: Yay! I may have rung the bell slightly prematurely on him, but he will definitely never be wrestling a match again. (laughs) Okay. But
0: maybe a Rosebud.
1: He might be a Rosebud.
0: So I'm also, I'm just so pleased to see Adam Rose again. He's a fucking joy. And do you know who else is a joy? Who's that? Jason Jordan. Yeah, he is. Miles. Yes. Miles. <laughs> we get a quick promo from Jason <laughs> Jordan. It is a picture in picture. Magical. Ty Dillinger was injured. How? I don't know. But last time he was seen, he was partying with the rosebuds. Guess I'm gonna have to figure out what I can do to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> ah! jason jordan wrestling detective this is the stupidest fucking thing i could not be happier if they don't make this an ongoing plot point they are fools this is genius i
1: legitimately don't remember if it is or not but what a
0: waste if they don't
1: god it has no bearing on the match whatsoever no, not, never mentioned. <laughs> the commentary doesn't talk about it. Like, they're just...
0: Jason Jordan does not question Adam Rose during the match. No. That never
1: happens. He doesn't question any of the Rosebuds or anything like that, or, like, go through and, like, go under their masks or costumes or anything to see if one of them is secretly tied to Like, but beyond that, it makes no sense. I love that he says, my partner is injured, but I don't know how. All I know is that he was last seen. That's what you say when your partner goes missing. Yeah. If he's injured, then surely somebody knows where he is being injured. <laughs> and you could go ask him how he was injured. Maybe he's in a
0: coma. Maybe he's in a temporary <laughs> coma. Miles, why are you
1: messing with the narrative genius No, 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 no. I'm, look, I'm not trying to take away from this at all. It's because that makes it better. It does. God, it does. Like, that makes it better. Like, I don't know how much, how much of this did Jason Jordan just make up? Was he like, oh, somebody was like, hey, Jordan, your partner's injured. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Hmm. Injured. But how? <laughs> Nobody seems to know. I'd better do my own investigation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. The, also, the idea that, like, you're qualified to do it. <laughs> That he just like sort of self-qualified. He's like, no, no, I can do this. I can solve a crime. (laughs) You're like, people work hard to learn that skill. I don't think it's a thing you can just do, but I appreciate the moxie.
1: Oh, it's so amazing.
0: What's first for this slug it out Sherlock? He goes for Rose, who dodges and rolls. They lock up and Rose pushes the fight-ready Jessica Fletcher into the corner where the ref (laughs) breaks it up. They get a little distance and it looks as though Jordan might go for a move. So Rose daintily leaps into Jordan's arms. Mm -hmm. This melee Magnum PI is flummoxed and ends up rolled to the (laughs) mat and headlocked. He struggles out and our clobbering Kojak pursues Rose to the corner. (laughs) where he is grabbed by the ankles of Rose and has his face repeatedly battered by Rose's buttocks like someone who doesn't understand how to do a sex, but has heard vague <laughs> descriptions of it. <laughs> Jordan takes it quite seriously, but the crowd starts chanting something at that point. The butt smacks, but I was—I didn't catch it.
1: The only thing I remember them chanting is party time all the time, but... I don't know if that's it or not.
0: Jordan does a gorgeous bridging
1: suplex thing. A Northern Light suplex? Was it a Northern Light suplex? I don't know. It like kind of looked like one, but it didn't look all the way like one to me. Yeah. We can call it a Northern Light suplex for now, but I think it was something else.
0: Okay. Rose kicks the heck out. The match-ready Miss Marple is treated to an atomic drop from Adam Rose, (laughs) which, as far as I can tell, is when your crotch is dropped upon your opponent's knee. Basically. Our combative Columbo is further battered with a neckbreaker that spins him to the mat. Rose lines up the Exotic Express, blasting his crotch at Jason Jordan at full speed. This is followed up by the party foul, somersaulting Jason Jordan to the mat. Sadly... The pugilistic Poirot is pinned for three. Mm. No word yet on whether this investigation
1: is ongoing. Alliteration is the best. It's very good. It's the cheapest joke. If this doesn't become an ongoing storyline in NXT, I feel like we should make it one. We should figure out what mystery Jason Jordan is solving on every
0: episode. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. I'm into that. If Jason Jordan appears on an episode, what mystery is he here to solve? Yeah,
1: I like that. All
0: right. Deal. All right. If we remember. Yes. Come
1: on, let's remember. This is how our segment creation goes. It's like we come up with an idea and then like three weeks later we forget about it. So it goes away.
0: Yep, that's how it works. (laughs) Now, I do want to say I read the Bleacher Report review of this show. I always do, usually out of curiosity. Yeah. And it said, quote, following a rough start to his main roster career, Adam Rose made a special appearance on this week's episode of NXT. Mm -hmm. And I was very curious about what exactly they meant by rough start. Do you happen to know?
1: I was definitely watching main roster at the time. I remember Adam Rose debuting on the main roster, and I remember thinking, wow, that was fast. I don't remember specifics, but there can be a bit of an issue historically with taking NXT gimmicks, which are popular in front of the full sale crowd, which, Mm. again, has time to, like, grow and appreciate these characters because it's always the same audience. Not always, but it's usually the same audience or similar audiences. I was actually having this conversation about Bo with some friends the other day about how, like, would it even have worked at all to just take that character to the main roster and run with it? The reason that character works is because of the continuity, because you can see the entire storyline as it develops. Mm -hmm. Whereas it can be a bit of an issue with main roster because you're not wrestling in front of the same crowds every night You're wrestling the TV product is the same so like people watching at home can get appreciation for the scope of the storyline and the development of the character but the crowd not necessarily will have that and you certainly can't count on crowds at like live shows going to Raw having seen anything in NXT especially mm. at this point in NXT's existence so Rose went up to the main roster with his whole thing with the Rosebud's and I can do a little bit of digging on this if you want. I'd be happy to, to give you some more information on what the specifics were because there were people that I, you know, writing about Raw at the time that I'm sure could give some insight as to why it wasn't I'd working. I'd be
0: very interested because so wildly popular at NXT and I'm curious about any analysis about why it didn't
1: yeah. track well. WWE also just doesn't present things like the main roster doesn't present things as well. One thing we're going to see, one really unfortunate thing that we're going to see as we go through the history of NXT is that it's supposed to be developmental. It's supposed to be prepping these guys and these women for for main roster stardom and the reason it's a tv product is so people can get an idea of their characters before they come on the main roster and all this stuff right yeah but outside of the women's division the women in general from nxt have been very successful on the main roster largely because they're the entire women's division you have to elevate some of them because they're the whole thing they're it as time goes on a lot of the male wrestlers there are very few of them who actually succeed on Raw and SmackDown, who come from NXT and actually succeed. And you can blame that on things getting over in NXT that aren't necessarily going to get over on the main roster. Personally, I lay the blame on main roster creative, and mm-hmm. the fact that they don't know what to do with these characters. They didn't develop these characters. These are characters who became popular at NXT, and so because of their popularity, they get moved up to the main roster. Well, now Vince has his hands on them, and Vince yeah. doesn't know who these people are. He doesn't know why people like them. He doesn't know what people appreciate about them, so he sends them out. Sometimes he just treats them like absolute shit, has them like lose a bunch of matches and just, until nobody cares. Sometimes he just doesn't present them as they should be presented. I also read something when I was reading, I was also reading some old reports of this episode Mm -hmm. one thing i was reading from a reviewer is that adam rose kind of got stagnant really quickly because they didn't do anything with him okay i can see that happening they sort of just kind of threw him out there and there was no development to the character nor development of the gimmick it's like the same thing over and over again Mm. and this person made the comparison between that and what happens on this episode with the vaude villains where the VOD villains now have a TitanTron thing where there's a little dude with a megaphone coming out who says, gather around everyone and witness the debonair devastation of such exquisite sophistication. Aiden English, Simon Gotch, the VOD Villains. A little addition, a little change to the gimmick that keeps it fresh. And that's okay. the kind of thing that main roster is not as good at doing. But that's a very lengthy answer to your question.
0: I think it illuminate something that's really important. I could have my finger on the wrong thing here. But NXT lends itself to long-form storytelling in a way that Raw SmackDown tend not to.
1: Or at least Ron SmackDown don't do a good job of setting themselves up for long-term storytelling. You know, like, it's just not a thing that they're good at doing. You can do long-term storytelling in wrestling and they've done it before. But, like, ugh, it's just frustrating. So to talk a little
0: bit about current stuff yeah i heard kind of through the grapevine because i don't watch her on smackdown i
1: think most people don't a lot of people still do but i think a lot yeah
0: well it's watched with a certain chagrin i suppose sure that there was a couple of months basically where everybody just had to watch the same drew mcintyre bobby lashley match over and over and hear the same promos over and over that that was their idea of long-form storytelling and then Mm -hmm. if you pivoted and looked over at what NXT was doing in the last couple of months. There were multiple long form stories being told, but most crucially, the index storyline with the ongoing. Now, part of that is because Johnny Gargano is a fucking genius. Right. Is the long form story of the love between Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell and like this amazing, interesting, <laughs> interwoven story that is just bizarre and. Catches you and stays fresh the entire time because there's always some sort of complication. It has, you know, soap opera things that you'd want in a story. And then over on, you know, the main roster, quote unquote, the main roster, they're just kind of treading water a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I think what it comes down to really is that the people who do creative for the main roster are bad at their jobs. They're just not good at this. It's really, really maddening. How they think that long term storytelling is like, okay, you two go out and wrestle a match. One of you wins. Mm. All right, so next week you wrestle again and the other one wins. So now you have to wrestle a third time. Yes. And yes, then after they that, do. They, you know, and it's like, that's not a story, guys. That's just, that's nothing. You look at some of the trends, people track this stuff in WWE, and oh, these two wrestlers have wrestled nine times in a row or something. It's like they just, Ugh. the worst part is. When they don't have any ideas, they just send people out there to like be booed because they're doing stupid Ugh. crap that nobody cares about because they don't have any ideas. And That's like so terrible. As much as I talk crap about AEW, and as much as I think AEW could really get their shit oh. together in a lot of different areas. Yes. You can't deny that they are better at telling stories. Than WWE.
0: I mean, not in the women's division, but everywhere not else. in the division,
1: but everywhere else in the areas they care about.
0: Yes. I think it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference to have somebody going, no, no, we're going somewhere.
1: Yeah. Or even just to have different matches every week. Announce uh, ahead of time, CM Punk's wrestling Daniel Garcia. It's like, what? All right. Those two have never been in the ring together, you know? Yeah. Jeez. So.
0: I will say, I might be wrong about this, but I do think that they are better about it with the women's division on Ron SmackDown. In general. But I don't know. Isn't it Tyson Kidd in charge of booking for the women's division
1: i think he has a lot of stuff in there yeah i think he does a lot of production
0: he clearly has his finger on the pulse and understands what a story should be
1: yeah and i think the women's division is interesting because without belaboring a point we've talked about many times i mean the women on top of wwe women's division are the best wrestlers Like, and they're the best people at this. So it's like a lot of the times you can just let them go and they're going to do something interesting. I think that a lot of the times WWE succeed with the women's division at the highest levels, the storylines involving Sasha and Becky and Charlotte. And Bianca and like those people and Bailey and Bailey, yeah, are really successful because they put time and thought into it and they have really amazing performers. I don't think they do a very good job working with or developing the next tier down of the women's division. Agree, agree. Your Carmelas, your Liv Morgans, your I guess Shayna Baszler, even though she shouldn't be there by any stretch, but like they're not very good at. They have these women's tag team championships and they barely use them. Oh. Oh. Right now, as we record this, they're doing this fucking women's tournament, this Queen's Crown tournament, and, like, we're back to some Divas era bullshit, because both of the first two matches in this eight-woman tournament lasted less than two minutes. <sighs> it's rough. So, like, they still have... A lot of issues and increasingly so, I think. I think it's getting worse.
0: I think so, too.
1: The last five years or so, the last like probably even longer, the last seven or eight years have been pretty positive for their women's division. And I think probably it's because they have certain people involved that aren't involved in other parts of the show.
0: OK, thank you for walking me through some of this and helping me understand a little bit more about why NXT is a week to week product in a way that Raw and SmackDown simply are not. And it is interesting to see how that plays out.
1: It's a different thing. You know, it's a a limited roster, different goals. In NXT... What they're trying to do, for the most part, the ultimate goal is to get these performers comfortable with their characters and comfortable performing in front of an audience. And so it's a teaching environment. There's been a bunch of shit that has come out in years since about the nature of the teaching, which we've talked about before. Fucking mm-hmm. the one dude who was being super bullying in the early days and everything, but like without even getting into like their methods, like the goal is to Improve these people. The goal is to craft characters and make this compelling. (laughs) television whereas in wwe that's just not the goal nope they don't care the main roster it's like especially now man they got their fucking nbc money they're getting their fucking saudi arabia blood money they don't give a shit they're just under an obligation to put on a show every week or two you know and like it's frustrating how little they seem to give a shit about things like Storytelling and creating characters because it's not that's not the point. Yeah, because once you get to a certain point in the in I'm sorry I'm ranting. No, no. Once you get to a certain point, once you get to a certain height, it's like why should we care? That's why Mm. everybody. The reason everybody has nostalgia for the fucking attitude era is because of the Monday Night Wars and because like the narrative is that WCW pushed WWE to be more creative and actually put on a, a quality television product to compete with WCW. Now, that's not true. <laughs> the, fucking, the reason that WWE won the Monday Night Wars is because Steve Austin is a really good wrestler, and they hit on something really compelling with him versus McMahon, with Vince mm. as a character. They hit on something really like popular with that, and then WCW just could not stop shooting itself in the foot until it didn't have feet. <laughs> anymore. That's why <laughs> WWE won the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> but but the narrative is is that like oh with competition comes, you know Sort of that, well, that creativity, which is not necessarily wrong, but
0: yeah, I guess we'll see as AEW continues to kind of grow if that we will see does happen or I don't know. It's kind of we're in a unknowable a place and NXT is going through changes right now. Not, mm. you know, as you have pointed out in your fanbite article, not unprecedented changes by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no. In fact, this is probably a much milder change than whenever they shifted from game show to regular NXT. But nonetheless changes. It is a time of flux in wrestling. And we will see. It is. The increase of easy access to indie wrestling on IWTV. Mm -hmm. And all this other things means that it is a weird time for wrestling to be like struggling with itself. But it certainly seems to be.
1: We're in a really strange place where like WWE is... Floundering creatively, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's the thing about the whole thing with AEW is like, really, their bottom line's fine, y'all. They're not going out of business. I don't no. care how good AEW does. WWE is a publicly traded company now. They're just not going out of business. No. So the only place this goes is. Is AEW possibly being a legitimate alternative, which I have mixed feelings about because AEW doesn't seem to care about women or black people. And also because they have a weirdly traditional approach to their business model where they're still doing pay-per-views and they're not streaming. So... I don't know. It's weird, but you're right. It is weird. It's all so weird. We're in a very strange transition point in pro wrestling right now, and it's actually, like, one of the reasons why I love doing this show so much, because I'm I'm having a really hard time... being part of the community of wrestling fans at the moment in current stuff. Oh,
0: it's not a place to hang out by any means.
1: It's so great for me to be able to come back to this era of NXT. It's like wrapping yourself up in a warm blanket and being like, oh yeah, I actually do love this a lot, you know?
0: Yeah. Backstage, Kalisto is doing an interview with Devin. He wants to focus on his future successes, not anything in the past, the Vaude villains roll up with their jangly calliope-themed <laughs> music with a sign that says, where's your tag team partner?
1: Why does their music start playing? I love Sorry. it. I love that it's, it's so all good. jangly
0: and sort of like, you know, missing notes and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is fucking perfect. Uh, Kalisto's like, oh, I can find a new tag team partner. I'll face you, chuckle fucks. And then he's like, Kalisto, away! And kind of like rolls out of there. The Vaude villains hold their chins thoughtfully and engage in a staring contest with the middle distance. Yep. Beautiful.
1: Allah la Cassius Ono back in the day.
0: Yes, absolutely. Our precious baby boy, yeah. who I hope is doing well on the indies. I don't know what he's up to, but I'm sure he's out there doing a wrestle. I
1: have no idea what he's doing right now, actually. I've not heard his name in a while. He's
0: getting older. I don't know. He might not be okay. He
1: might not be. Maybe he's training people.
0: Main event, Lady Whistledown's match report.
1: Yes! I was so hoping this would be it.
0: yes. Mr. Kidd has been something of a devil-may-care sort about town lately, certainly when the safety of his wife is at issue. He comes to the ring rather satisfied with himself. We'll see if he remains so. The orchestra struck up the jaunty tune of Mr. Zane, who bounces to the ring as is his usual wont. As the bell signals the start of the match, Mr. Kidd makes it clear he's not especially interested in locking up, choosing instead to roll out of the ring more than once. Tyson Chicken, the crowd chants, clearly calling out the cowardice of Mr. Kidd in a most public fashion. Mm. On his third turn about the outside of the ring, Mr. Zane chose to follow, which introduces some opportunities for Mr. Kidd to be the dastardly sort we always knew him to be. He leveled a vicious kick at Zane's head and even suplexed him onto the ramp, which I've been assured is solid steel. Proof positive that Mr. Kidd may be many things, but he is not to be trifled with. After a break for advertisements, Mr. Zane is treated to a thorough kicking, both while upright and while entrapped in the Tree of Woe. But once back on his feet, the assembled crowd is treated to one of mister Zane's exceedingly good drop kicks. Mm. There are few in the town that can do one so beautifully. Kid once more retreats beyond the ropes to the floor below, whereupon mister Zane leapt to seat himself upon the top rope and bounce into a backward flip, landing on his opponent and laying him low. Back within the ring, Mr. Kidd does manage to regain some of his composure, tripping Zane as he falls headfirst into the turnbuckle. Turnbuckle.
1: Turnbuckle. <laughs>
0: He's further suplexed by Kidd. I've been told it's a suplex of German origin. <laughs>
1: It is, you're right. Good job, Lady (laughs) Whistledown.
0: Zane is newly imported from Germany. I was like, did Germany even exist back then? I don't know if it was still a collection of like city-states or something. Not city-states, but like principalities or something. pretty
1: sure it did. Okay,
0: well, we're not German historians. If you know about German history, (laughs) let us know. Zane does try his blue thunder bomb to little effect. Kid then replies with his blockbuster and a pin, which Zane likewise rebuffs. Clearly, large moves will not be the answer to this battle of fisticuffs. Mr. Kidd chooses that moment to deploy his sharpshooter maneuver, an agonizing move that forces Mr. Zane to crawl to the ropes for the break. The situation looks quite grim for young Mr. Zane as Kidd ascends the top rope and leaps at him. But then he meets Kidd, brings him face down to the mat, and applies the koji clutch, inducing the tap-out from a most distressed Mr. Kidd. This feud may perhaps be resolved, but this writer suspects that we have but seen the barest beginnings of Mr. Kidd's descent into villainy. But that Mr. Zane though, he's a snack.
1: <laughs> he would certainly make an eligible husband, a very desirable husband for any of the young ladies of the ton.
0: Oh, 1000%, what a babe. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. How did you find this episode?
0: You know, I liked it. And then the more I thought about it, I fucking loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Like sometimes it just washes over me because, okay, I'm a lazy person. I want to make that very clear. (laughs) I will work hard. But when asked, do you want to work hard at something that's fun or do you want to lay here and just read a book? I'm always like, but I could just lay here and read a book. Mm -hmm. So I never look forward to writing the breakdown because I'm like, but that's hard. Writing's hard. I don't want to write. Sure. But once I've written, I fucking love it and I'm excited about it. Um, Is that Neil Gaiman quote? Like, I don't like writing, but I love having written. Yes. It's very true. Yeah. I'm sure as a writer, you can identify you're like writing fucking blows.
1: The truest thing anybody has ever said about writing.
0: It's so true cuz you're like fuck this but yeah. then you after you're over you're like I'm a genius and this was the best thing I've ever done.
1: This is amazing and I'm just going to reread it now. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. I have those emotions every time but looking back over this I was just like this episode is peak after peak after peak in terms of ridiculousness. Even the filler was fun filler.
1: The best episodes from this era of NXT tend to be the ones where there's a like solid to great main event. Yes. Like cuz it was like a 50 minute match. Solid to great main event. I'm going to talk about it more in a minute. And then just a bunch of bullshit until then. Yes. Like just a bunch of nonsense <laughs> leading up to it. <sighs>
0: And that drives me so fucking crazy when I see matches that aren't bullshit and there's a real effort to go like, no, everything has to have
1: Mm -hmm. a
0: bunch of stakes behind it. And I'm like, no, but the stakes can be stupid.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Some of them need to be.
1: It's important that they're stupid.
0: Yes. And it drives me fucking crazy about AEW, I would say in particular, that there is a lot of important weight put mm-hmm. behind a lot of things and not enough stupid weight put behind things. And then sometimes on NXT, current NXT, there's too much important weight behind things and yeah. not enough stupid weight. And I'm like, no, this circus needs clowns. You <laughs> fucking need clowns in your circus. Yeah. And if you're not going to have them, then you are losing out on one of the ways that you get emotion from people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Let yourself be stupid. That's so important.
1: Arguably the most important way to get emotion from people.
0: I think so. It drives me crazy that a lot of promotions don't do that. Like even I don't think tons of indie promotions understand that. And that's one of the reasons why like I really value even still Chikara's back
1: catalog. Chikara. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's not that Chikara's not everything is comedy. They also do big important because they fostered Eddie Kingston. They had Sarah Del Rey. Sarah Del Rey doesn't really do comedy. They had lots of people who... were doing like real, you know, serious stuff and like emotional storylines. And they had a bunch of dumb bullshit that didn't mean anything, but they were still like, no, no, it's important that you care about the plight of this man in a bunny costume. Like, that's crucial.
1: And for all that he is apparently a monstrous human being in a lot of ways. Yes. Nobody, nobody in the world understands that better than Mike Wackenbush. Yeah. Nobody gets it the way he does. And it, it's why so many people were really, really sad. Yeah, legitimately. When all that came out and speaking out, because he's the guy who gets it.
0: And you're Ugh. like, fuck, why can't you be one of the good ones, you yeah. motherfucking piece yeah. of shit? Because you're like, we need your brain because apparently other people can't fucking do it.
1: But honestly, like, I don't think there's any coincidence in the fact that like most of the best wrestlers working right now spent some time in Chikara
0: I completely agree I think it is 100% because that's where Johnny Gargano cut his teeth Johnny
1: Gargano Cesaro fucking yeah Brody Lee before he died like Eddie Kingston yes so many so
0: many and you learn something by doing comedy that you cannot fucking learn from doing all serious work and I think this is true Comedy is like jazz. And I think there's a thing in music where they talk about how any jazz player can play classical music or any other kind of genre very easily. Mm -hmm. But you cannot take somebody who is trained to do a certain kind of music and just throw them into jazz. Like it's a different skill set and they will rarely succeed at it out of the gate. And I think that's often true that you can get a comedian, not all comedians, but you can get a comedian and throw them into a serious role and they intimately understand how you manipulate emotion. Because there's nothing harder than trying to make people laugh for the most part. It's not terribly hard to make people cry, relatively speaking. Right. But you just understand a different skill set and you have a real grasp of it that's very different. And I think it's such a damn shame because I'm like, look... (sighs) Don't fucking send Drew McIntyre out there to only be a dreamy hunk with a sword. That's important. Mm -hmm. But that can't be the only thing he's doing. There was an article about it on Fanbyte recently by, I think, Martin Douglas about Big E and and some people saying, like, Big E needs to be more serious. And I'm like, no.
1: That's a great article. Everybody should read it. Read
0: it. Martin Douglas is a fucking genius. No. One, stop putting black people in a box. Two stop fucking ruining wrestling by saying like, well, big strong boy gotta be angry man. And you're like, no, you can be a goofus. What did you not remember 80s cartoons? Like we love a dumb, like strong gimmick where somebody's like, oh no, I'm a doof,
1: but also I'm a punch. It's such a great appetizer for like a pathos filled main event. Like that's, yes. I just kind of really am realizing how much I appreciate this formula that we see in this episode where it's like, here's a bunch of silly crap. It's going to make you happy. It's going to make you laugh. Sure, there's some wrestling, too. And the wrestling is fun. Like Sasha Banks murders Alexa Bliss. And that's fun to watch. You know? Yeah. But like, here's a bunch of silly crap because it's wrestling, we're not going to insult your intelligence to pretend that wrestling isn't silly crap. Yes. And then here's like this main event. And like, you know, the main event was good, but there's better wrestling matches, obviously. But like, oh, yeah, here's this main event with actual psychology, with actual storytelling that has stakes, that has characters involved. You can get invested in it emotionally. That's what wrestling is at its best to me. A really great blend of like is dumb and we're having fun. But also now that we're into it, all right, give me your sob story. You, you, you know, like I will cry yes. at wrestling, you know, and but I can't get there if it's serious the whole time. No, you know, like if you're trying to take yourself so seriously for the entire show, I just can't with it. And people forget that too often. Anyway, we're already very deep in our feels, obviously, about yes. this episode. So let's get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Sasha's purple
0: and green ring gear. Okay. Hub has pointed out on Tighten Up the Defense that in comics, that's the signature color combination of the villain. Like Joker, Lex Luthor, Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus, like the Riddler, Mysterio. Yeah. he just goes on and on. And I saw it. And I was like, oh, she's got villain gear. And oh. it pleased me because I recognized a thing that I learned and I award myself five experience points.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. Interesting that the same is true of The Incredible Hulk. I think maybe yes, goes a long it- way toward shading that character in some gray tones.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. All right, Miles, what did your
1: elf eyes see? <laughs> so this is... <laughs> I don't know why, I I have no idea why on this episode I just happen to to stand out. Because it's not like we haven't seen C.J. Parker before. Yes. You know, he's been around, he's been part of our lives in this current incarnation. But I just, C.J. Parker's hot. Yeah, he is hot. I'm sorry, I don't like objectifying people. I think I've only done it once before in this segment where I talked about Brandi Rhodes. But C.J. Parker, I just couldn't get over it in this episode he has so little to do, and we talked about how they're not really serving him well right now. He's one of the people who NXT did not serve very well no. in the long run. But god, he's beautiful, his face is adorable,
0: his yes. butt
1: is adorable. Yes, I, when he was being pinned, I, I had bulge feelings.
0: <laughs> he's just a
1: gorgeous man, and I can't, he is. I would be lying to myself and to you, the listener, if I didn't say that's what my elf eyes saw for this episode, because that's what I saw.
0: No, you're legitimately right. And I know that I think in his Juice Robinson incarnation, he's got some unfortunate facial hair, which I still kind of dig.
1: He does have some unfortunate facial hair. It's fine.
0: But he is a really, really beautiful guy, and it brings something different. It would be like if they misused Sami Zayn. You're like... What yeah. the fuck? You have this yeah. gorgeous person and what are you doing? Like, let's be honest. Most of the roster is very attractive. That's kind of broadly across the thing. But you don't get to appreciate with CJ Parker very often because they just fuck it up.
1: I like if they misuse Sami Zayn as though we don't live in that world.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, they misuse Sami Zayn right now. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. in NXT, they're they're doing him right for the most part. Absolutely. Like if they did that and you're... Just, I mean, currently I feel that way. I look at him and yeah. I'm going, but he's... Amazing. Mm-hmm. You have a god, and like he still looks super hot, even though he's sort of dad botting it right now, which I think is part of his character. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yes. Please give me that little like muffin top. I want it. I want it now.
1: <sighs> All right, Bob. What did your Vulcaneers hear? We might have heard the same thing, but <laughs> I promise you we did not.
0: Okay. Adam Rose introduced me to an asparagus flavored lollipop, says Byron Saxton. Silence. There is silence in the commentary booth. And then Tom Phillips says, William, can it just be you and me for the rest of the night? And I was like,
1: oh,
0: that's both romantic and totally understandable because Byron Saxton is the master of the out of nowhere non sequitur, which I value about Byron Saxton. I really appreciate it.
1: It really is his greatest strength. As a commentator.
0: It's important. You need it. All right, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers here?
1: So I was going to talk about William Regal and how I felt like this was a really rough showing for someone that we really normally enjoy. Oh, yeah. He referred to Xavier Woods as his funk soul brother at one point.
0: Yes, which is not the first time he's done that. Let's be very honest.
1: Not a great showing from Mr. Regal in this particular episode, in my opinion. However, I'm not going to go overly negative with this because what my Vulcan ears actually heard was the fact that, so I woke up this morning at 6am with my son, mm-hmm. who's almost two. Aww. By the time you hear this, I I think he will be two. Sharon was still asleep because she's in the last like month of pregnancy and sleeping is the only thing that makes her feel good. Rowan and I were up together and I had to watch the episode like prior to our, our Sunday morning recording here that we're doing. And so I was like, all right, Rowan, we're going to go in the living room. Mommy's going to sleep and we're going to watch NXT. And he was like, he came with me. He doesn't love wrestling yet. He can occasionally get into it. He loves my next yeah. wrestling fan cup that one of our fans, Cam, Aww. sent me.
0: Thank you, Cam.
1: He knows your name because of the cup. He knows uh, Sasha Banks and Sami Zayn because they're on our logo. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so we're watching the episode and he kind of drifts in and out. He doesn't care. He's playing with his cars and he's re- looking at his books and you know he's doing his thing. But when Tyler Breeze showed up, <gasps> he was very interested. <gasps> he did a little dance while the music video was playing. <laughs> oh my God. And when I asked him who that was... He said, hey, that's daddy. So. (laughs) What? Look, I will take the credit for apparently looking like Tyler Breeze, which is definitely a thing. Like, that's a comparison that many people have made. I don't mind telling you.
0: Uh (laughs) Ooh. (laughs)
1: Me and and Tyler. Oh, my God. Very, Very similar looks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, oh man, indistinguishable.
1: Absolutely. You'd have a hard time picking us out of a lineup. Like if there was a line <laughs> of Tyler Breezes and then me. You couldn't tell which one was me. <laughs> anyway, so that's what my Vulcaners heard was my son comparing me to Tyler Breeze while he danced to his music. That's fucking amazing. Beautiful. Megan Bob, what did your human heart feel? Are you
0: fucking kidding me? Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Jordan, wrestling detective, every day of the week for the rest of my life. <laughs> I want this show. This should be an anime. It clearly needs to be an anime. Like, how this is designed to be as, like, week to week, just wrestling to solve a mystery, pinning the criminal and going, All right, crime's down for three. <laughs> and then does like an anime hero pose, like, you know, one arm raised in the air for victory, lay hand on the hip. And then walks to the store and gets like some kind of drink to reward himself. Because food is very important in anime. So probably drinks like a bubble tea and then goes home. And oh my god, I want this show. I could talk about this all day. I could write fanfic about it all day. Not sexy fanfic, just dumb fanfic. (laughs) It's fucking amazing. Jason Jordan, if you came up with this, you are the creative mind that the main roster needs so desperately... You're the hero that these dark times call for. Miles, what did your human heart feel?
1: I had a lot of feelings about the main event. I just thought it was really good. Quality wrestling match between Sami Zayn and Tyson Kidd, both of whom just really know what the fuck they're doing in the ring. And... I loved the storyline. I loved the counters because the story of the match was Tyson Kidd is, like, prepared for this match and wants this match and is countering everything Sammy tries to do. And I just thought it was really good. It's one of these things where it's like, Sometimes on NXT, you have the matches that everybody remembers from the early days of NXT. Your yes. two out of three fall Sammy Cesaro matches, you know, your Paige yeah. winning the women's title for the first time, like stuff like that. Every so often you get these like weird little gems, like main eventing a random episode of NXT. And I feel like this is one of those. I felt similarly, I think about Sami Zayn and Justin Gabriel yeah. a couple episodes ago. But this one, like, I love that Tyson's countering everything that Sammy does and then get to the point where he comes off with the elbow and then Sammy gets the knees up, gets the knees into Tyson's elbow so he counters that and Sammy kicking out of the blockbuster was a big deal and then my favorite part about it is that they had that great sequence With the jackknife pin counter that Tyson then gets Sammy into the sharpshooter. Yes. Sammy's in the sharpshooter. He's fighting. He's fighting. He's clawing for the ropes. He's clawing for the ropes. Tyson pulls him back to the center of the ring, which is usually the sign that the guy's going to tap out because when you get pulled back to the center of the ring. But Sammy doesn't tap. He claws and fights and fights and gets back to the bottom rope. And the match goes on for like another minute until Tyson comes off the top and Sammy counters him one last time and gets him into the Koji clutch. And Tyson taps instantly. Tyson taps right away. And it's just the greatest way to end the match. I loved it so much. I did not expect to get this many feelings from a random Sammy Tyson match from the middle of July in 2014. But I loved it. I just thought it was really good. Well, those were the sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling. Before we get into the Cheap Pop Quiz, it's time to award... One or more lucky wrestlers with the Beau Rince Olivier Award for unbelievable commitment to the bit. So, Megan Bob, who's getting your Lawrence Beau Olivier Award this week?
0: Connor's Pecks.
1: <laughs> Sorry, probably blow my mic on that one.
0: That peck and shoulder shimmy saved lives (laughs) i swear to fucking god that two seconds was the stupidest thing i've ever seen connor looked dumb while doing it i mean not unsexy but dumb sexy while doing it it wasn't important that he do it 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 added nothing other than just this weird choice That added to his character, but it wasn't based in anything that was character related that I could tell. It was like...
1: No, no, not at all.
0: It fell out of nowhere, but it was a goddamn treasure. That was amazing. And what a bold character choice to make that made no sense. I was so proud. And I was like, that man, Connor is legit good at his job and didn't get enough credit. Agreed. (sighs) Who are you handing your Borance Olivier award to, Miles?
1: My Bo Runs Olivia Award on this episode goes to the Villains. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about commitment to the bit. <laughs> they have two things they do on this episode. The first one is their new entrance, which involves the fucking Carnival Barker coming out with a megaphone to introduce Love them it. as the spotlight goes on them individually. They come down to the ring with their music. Aiden English's his finger is moving along to the music because he's still yes! fucking Aiden English, goddammit. And he's doing his yes! thing while Simon Gotch does weird, like, strongman poses all around the ring. You can hear them say about how manly they are. When they do their pose, it's like manly is what Simon Gotch says. And then in their backstage with Kalisto, commitment to the bit, they don't talk during their promo, they pull out a fucking side. Yes, <laughs> it says, where's your tag team partner? They had prepared this side earlier to troll him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well done well done on this episode Villains. as I suspect I will have something similar to say about you literally every time you appear because they're the best
0: so good so good
1: alright well with that out of the way again no wrestling term of the week on this episode Bob will be back with that and we didn't uh, ring the bell for anybody on this episode so we're just jumping straight into the cheap pop quiz oh boy alright alright Bob you got two points see how you do on this one. Question number one. Which of the following wrestlers loses a match on the next episode? Loses their match, mind you. That lasts precisely 35 seconds.
0: Oh, boy. OK.
1: Is it A, Tyson Kidd, B, Sami Zayn, C, Mojo Rawley, D, Tyler Breeze, or E, Adrian Neville?
0: Oh, my God. What?
1: One I, of those five wrestlers loses a match in 35 seconds.
0: Okay, just run down the names again real quick.
1: Tyson Kidd, Sami Zayn, Mojo Rawley, Tyler Breeze, Adrian Neville.
0: None of that makes sense. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I guess Mojo Rawley. Okay,
1: Mojo Because he's
0: not doing anything. And he that's the only thing I can think of. I hope it's Mojo Rawley and not any of the others because they need to look strong for the shit they're
1: doing. Okay. Motorola Raleigh is your answer. What? Okay. Question number two. With the tag team division finally starting to grow, which of the following...
0: <laughs> <laughs> that barren landscape that they finally fucking poured some goddamn water on. There's a couple of, shoots, a couple of sprouts
1: on. showing up. Yeah. Which of the following tag teams kicks off a championship feud with the Ascension on the next episode? Is it A, the VOD Villains. B, Enzo and Cass. C. Callisto and his mystery partner. D. Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger. Or E. Just kidding, it's nobody. The Ascension beat up some more jobbers.
0: Ooh. I'm hoping it's not E. Okay. Because, I mean, part of me hopes it is E, <laughs> but part of me also hopes it's not okay. E. I am going to say I would like to see Enzo and Cass cut promos on the Ascension and the Ascension cut promos back because that is a (laughs) weird mix of things Uh that would make no sense together. It would just clash horribly. And I am very interested in that. So I would like to see that, please. All right.
1: So is that your answer? B, Enzo and Cass? Yes. And question number three. The next episode features an NXT Women's Championship match between Charlotte and Summer Rae. How does that match conclude? Is it A, Charlotte retains the title cleanly. Nothing to see here. B. Charlotte retains the title with the help of Sasha Banks, who then attacks Charlotte after the match. C. Summer wins the title with the help of Sasha Banks, who then attacks Summer after the match. D. Summer wins the title with the help of Sasha Banks, who leaves with Summer after the match. Or E. The match ends in a no contest when Sasha Banks interferes by beating up both of them.
0: Ooh, my brain says Charlotte's keeping it. Okay. But I don't know how Charlotte's keeping it. But if they are sticking with this BFF thing and they're messing around with like people's allegiances, I would really like to see them throw Sasha into the mix because I think... They could then do like a really good triple threat match, which I don't know if they're ready to do a women's triple threat match yet in these days. But they're setting all the pieces in place. The board makes sense. I'm going to say E. That makes the most sense narratively.
1: All right. E, the match ends in a no contest when Sasha interferes by beating up both of them. All right. We'll come back on the next episode to see how Bob did on this iteration of the Cheap Pop Quiz. (laughs) well that's about all we got for this episode of the next wrestling fan bob thank you as always for joining me thank
0: you for taking me on this journey of solving crimes through wrestling (laughs) why isn't this what all of ncis is like i would watch it
1: more importantly why isn't what this what all of wrestling is i would watch that oh god it's so fucking
0: good i'm addressing this directly to the camera okay <laughs> if you can go watch this episode one don't watch it legally the wwe your shit <laughs> go watch it illegally and just go find this jason jordan promo where he says i'm gonna get to the bottom of this it's too fucking
1: great you can't boycott the wwe like that anymore i'm afraid because now it's all peacock they already got their money I'm not saying don't boycott WWE because it's a trash company, and I wouldn't blame anyone who does. But uh, you know, maybe when the network was a thing, canceling the network was a thing, like a, a thing that would trend on Twitter and all that stuff, and like people would actually try and do that. But now it's like y'all—they've already made out like bandits.
0: Now, if you want to personally slight Vince, you have to drive to his probably palatial estate and dump cat pee into the intake of his, <laughs> his car AC. That's the only way. Which, by the way, yeah.
1: is a thing you should absolutely do. Oh, yeah,
0: 100%. I mean, no one can convict you for it. It's Vince. Like, that's your right <laughs> as an
1: American. Yeah. Hey, thank you also to Lucas Brown, who edited this episode and the last one during a time of turmoil for Bob and myself. Yes. Uh, as I navigate the thorny waters of being a father of two. Really appreciate Lucas.
0: Go listen to The Math of You. We've been on it, and you should listen to the other episodes, too. Ultimately, the best way to do it is just, like, look for anything that sounds interesting and click on it, and then it is interesting. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The Math of You is an excellent show. You should definitely be listening to it. If you've heard the episodes of ours where Lucas has been on, you know how delightful he is to listen to. Mm -hmm. So. Go and check him out. Help him out. Support him. He's got a Patreon and a Kofi. Lokified. Locified. Lucas is great. And uh, follow him on Twitter and just do all the stuff that you can do to help him because he deserves it. We are officially back to editing our own shit uh, as of this next episode. But we do also want to take a moment here to thank, as well, our patrons. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Everybody who uh, signed up over at patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan. Like, y'all helped us pay Lucas to edit the episodes, (laughs) among other things. So, uh, really just, like, appreciate all of you so much.
0: And speaking of the Patreon, we are creeping in towards our 225 and 250 goal. And just so you know, at 250, Miles and I will, in a Royal Command performance, put out bonus episodes twice a year on the Equinox, perhaps? Who knows? Perhaps on Arbor Day and um, some other interesting holiday. I guess it'll be kind of up to when we reach the 250 goal, but we are creeping ever closer towards it. And at that point, who knows what you might make Miles and I watch, read, listen to. I don't, I I dare not dream. Who can say?
1: So far, our patrons taste in what they are making us watch, read, or whatever is pretty stellar. (laughs)
0: It's kind of incredible, and also weirdly bird themed in some ways are <laughs> miles yes galaxy brain are our, our patrons some of them we don't know in person, could they right. be birds?
1: I think there's a non zero chance.
0: I got some big like ratite energy from some of our fans, so I'll bet I'll bet one of our fans is a cassowary. <laughs>
1: I, I barely know what that is. They're very dangerous.
0: They're extremely <laughs> dangerous. They could kill you. not uh, okay. you personally, just any human being, they could absolutely murder.
1: You're talking about how it's bird-themed, Bob. Yes. What is the most recent of the bird-themed episodes that we have released onto our Patreon? Like a bird rising from our hands.
0: <laughs> so grateful you asked, Miles. The Tender Wings of Desire episode is live on our Patreon now for your pleasure and consumption. I am tucking two clips from it at the end of this episode for you to enjoy. I cannot describe to you the fever dream of elation, confusion, punch drunk joy. It's... It's the full experience, really, is all I can say.
1: It makes me want to do more episodes where neither of us have experienced the thing. Because I think my favorite part, though, is just the disparity in what Bob and I chose to spend our time researching. It's got everything you probably want from something created by Megan, Bob, and myself.
0: Yes, I would say that is true.
1: It has anti-capitalist rants (laughs) conversations about how stories and storytelling like work and function we talk about sex and (laughs) how hot cereal mascots are so like
0: (laughs) and miles does the greatest zag on me in zag history i have never been zagged so hard in my life
1: i mean look that's what happens when you have no when i have no idea what i'm gonna say next so (laughs) wow (laughs) Yeah, Tender Wings of Desire currently up on the Patreon feed. Uh, If you're a patron, you can go listen to that now. If you haven't already, if you're not a patron, look, I'm not telling you how to spend your money. No, Lord, no. Not at the holidays, least of all. That having been said, if you want to hear us talk about the KFC romance novella slash promotional tactic that is Tender Wings of Desire, head on over patreon.com slash NXTwrestlingfan. If not, that's fine, too. We still love and appreciate you.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? Come back. In two weeks, not only to mm. hear another episode of the next wrestling fan, which I it's, oh, yeah. pre- it's pretty good. But on top of that, <laughs> to find out how the trios tournament is going.
1: Yeah, baby. We're kicking things off on episode 62 here in this space.
0: Miles, if there is a no DQ anything and that <laughs> stipulation does not come into play, I will personally drive to Tucson and knock over your table.
1: Who do you think I am? It's going to be okay. Don't worry about that. That and more is all coming to you in two weeks. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we will see you at that time with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Adios!
0: episode was kindly produced by lucas brown you can follow his work at lokified on twitter or go subscribe to his magnificent podcast the math of you wherever you get your podcasts with logo design by claire mulcarin special thanks to rafael medina for our theme song learn buckle you can follow his creative work on twitter at earth mofo spelled the french way
1: also, thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and Stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io.
0: We're on Twitter and Facebook as The Next Wrestling Fan and in the group The Smash Fiction Fan Faction.
1: You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness.
0: The Next Wrestling Fan is made possible by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us make this show possible, go to patreon.com slash nxtwrestlingfan and join our fabulous stable of contributors. They're the best!
1: If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for
0: listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to discover... Wait, that's not what I say, is it? (laughs) What? I'm here to discover the secret beating heart of wrestling. I'm making it... I'm going rogue. No, all right. (laughs) I like it. Uh, what, what do I fucking say? Miles, I've forgotten.
1: I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling.
0: There we go. What did I discover? Where Where am I going? All right. Okay. I've already forgotten the verb. I'm such a <laughs> understand. fucking... Mor- understand. Uh, illuminate. Uncover Unnerve. <laughs>
1: With a new episode of the next wrestling fan. Bonui.
0: I don't know if that's anything. That could be French. Who knows? Is that a word? Don't don't know.
1: Not sure. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. We can, we can look it up. I'll, I'll give it another one. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't care. Uh, How would you even spell that? B a n u i. Bonui. I don't know. Uh.
0: You know what? I'm just adios.
1: I think you should leave all of that in, but you're editing it, so I don't care.
0: He admits that he hasn't been able to stop thinking about her, then says, that is where I was, by the way, he added, at sea, (laughs) you know, because he's a captain. He does sea stuff, sailing, that kind of thing.
1: Well, she's been wondering, to be fair, she has been like kind of wondering where he has been the whole time. She like brings it up when he shows up that he hasn't been in in a while.
0: The book has an intermittent interest in Harlan's life as a sailor, and it is very intermittent.
1: Yeah, it's like he sails sometimes the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you forget? He's a sailor. He's a sailor. That's what the book does. Madeline agrees to go for a walk, so they walk around and the narrator assures us that it's lovely. Also, we're reminded that saltwater taffy is a thing because that's a thing related to the sea, and this book is about a fucking sea captain. Will we discuss lighthouses too?
1: One can only hope. Spoiler alert, we don't. really hope we can get some... Saltwater taffy at KFC next time I go. I, God.
0: I know. I'm like, why are you advertising for products you don't sell? But anyway, (laughs) Madeline doesn't ask him about himself. So who the fuck knows what they talk about on this walk?
1: What a nautical
0: (laughs) mile is, maybe? Hard to say.
1: (laughs) Like, his wife isn't even named Madeline. Like, nothing like that. So I don't even. Wait. Colonel Sanders has a wife? He's had two wives. What the
0: fuck? Is this some sort of bluebeard shit? How do you know this? He's he's got
1: a Wikipedia page. But why were you on it? Because I am a good podcaster, Bob.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that you turned it around. Touche. Well played, sir.
1: (laughs) He married Josephine King in 1909, divorced her in 1947, and married Claudia Price in 1949. (gasps) None of those names appear in this book. He's got three Are... children. I don't think I know their names. Wait, was he a to... real
0: person?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm telling you.
0: Oh, I thought he was just... He a... was a
1: real person named Harlan David Sanders.
0: Oh, I thought this was a case where they had a mascot and then people wrote a bunch of like OC fanfic
1: about him.
0: <laughs> I No, it did no. not occur to me that he was real. Yeah, no, he's a real guy. He's the guy who started the KFC. Oh, well, that's kind of disappointing. I hoped he was just somebody's very (laughs) weird original character. They're like, they took it to DC. They took it to Marvel. Neither of them wanted to touch it. And they said, fuck it. I'm starting a restaurant. You'll see.